Okay, excuses Christians use for not keeping the Ten Commandments. And this is the installment number four of this uh, series of programs. And again, often some people, some Christians will take a scripture and they'll say, look, this scripture proves I don't have to keep the law of God because the Bible says this. And they often will use their favorite proof text scripture. And I told a story recently reading a religious forum where it said, no Christian is under the law of Moses. It ended when Jesus nailed it to the cross and faded away during the life of the apostles. Now, you look at this and you think, okay, as a Christian, am I looking for a reason not to believe in the law of God? Why would any Christian not believe in keeping the Ten Commandments? Is that my motive? Is that my desire? Is that where my heart is at, that I am trying to find proof for my motives and my motives? How pure are my motives if I don't want to keep and do what God tells me to do, especially when you talk about the laws of morality, which is really what the Ten Commandments are? In other words, why? Why do I desire to prove that I don't have to keep them and find scriptures, why do I want to develop a theology that says the law's been nailed to the cross, you don't have to keep it? You know, I'm sort of dealing with the heart here, and, and I'm trying to uncover where a lot of people's hearts are at. I mean, if you call yourself Christian, to me it seems you need to be submissive, obedient, you need to surrender to a higher authority, which is God, and you need to give up the thing, <clears throat> the things that you're doing that is destroying your life, and that is sin, and sin is the breaking of God's law. And you need to somehow figure out a way through the Spirit of God that you can conform to and develop the character of God, which is really revealed by the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments revealed the nature and the character of God and what God is doing, what God desires to do through mankind, through true conversion. But why? Why would I want to disprove and dismiss the law of God? Now, Jesus said this in Matthew 5 and verse 17. He said, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy but to fulfill. And this is a favorite, believe it or not, this is a favorite scripture that Christians use to try to say uh, they that the law has been fulfilled, meaning we don't have to keep it. Okay. Or they may not actually admit that. They have another side to that where they try to justify, well, fulfill means, and they will go through a list of, of a explanation and elaboration on what that word fulfill means. Now, we're going to get to this. I'm going to explain to you what that word actually means. But really, I, I, let's just take a look at this verse. Okay. Think not that I have come to destroy the law. You know, the very thing that Jesus said don't think is the very thing that Christians think. A lot of Christians, not all, but a lot of them do. Jesus said, don't think, don't let it enter your pea brain mind that I have come to destroy the law. And there are all kinds of preachers going around thumping the, pul the pulpits and saying, Jesus came to destroy or nail the law to his cross, to fulfill the law, to do away with the law, and we don't have to keep it. And yet Jesus said, think not 
that I have come to destroy the law. Don't think it. Is That Really in the Bible? presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. And then he says, I've not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, again, the way a lot of Christians interpret this, let me read it how a lot of Christians will interpret this. Okay, think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy, but to destroy. In other words, they still end up with Jesus abolishing the law. Uh, no matter how you read this, that's how they end up. Okay. Now, is that what the Bible's saying? Now, the word fulfill there means to fill up, to fulfill, to full, to fully preach. Perfect supply is what the word actually means. In fact, Thayer's definition of this word means, get this, look it up for yourself. Don't believe me. Believe your Bible. Go get a concordance, look at Thayer's, look at Strong's, look at Thayer's definition. I'm giving you Thayer's definition of fulfill here. It means to be obeyed as it should be. You know, if Jesus didn't obey the law as it should be, we would not have a Savior. Now, what was Jesus' intent here when he said, I have not come to destroy but to fulfill the law? Well, I want you to imagine a glass a glass half full of water. Now, I'm going to explain this. Now, if you skip down a few verses, Jesus explains what he means by fulfill. But right in your, get, it, get it in your mind, a glass half full of water. It's only half full, and we're going to fulfill the meaning of the law. Okay. He says, you have heard that it was said of them of old time, you shall not kill. And whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, okay, we're going to get to what it means to fulfill the law. Jesus is going to explain it himself. Okay, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thy fool shall be in danger of hell fire. So we have this explanation, you know, don't murder. And, you know, there were a lot of, people back then who could honestly say, well, I've never murdered anyone, you know, and you, you could probably say the same thing about yourself. I've never killed anybody. I've never murdered anyone. And again, there's a big difference between murder and killing, killing in self-defense, killing in wartime is not wrong. Murder is premeditated. That's wrong. Okay. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about murder, premeditated murder, not defending yourself, not killing, uh, defending yourself at wartime, defending your nation. He's not talking about that. There's nothing wrong with killing in that sense, <clears throat> you know. Okay, so we have this glass that's half full. And, and you know, the half full means, well, I've never murdered anyone. Okay, but Jesus comes along and says, okay, we're going to take this law that's only half full and we're going to fulfill it and fill it to the top. But I say unto you, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, in other words, I don't get mad, I get even. No, I've never killed anyone. I never murdered anyone. But boy, do I lie awake at night thinking about that, that, you know, that uh, whatever, so-and-so, and and how I'm going to get even, and I hate that guy, and I despise that guy, and I dwell on it, and I think on it. 
okay, you're in danger of murdering that person just because it's all going on in the mind. So Jesus fulfills the law by giving us the full measure, the full cup of what it means to keep this commandment. Thou shall not murder. You can't, he, he, he describes the spirit of the law. The latter just says don't murder. The spirit of the law says it's about what goes on in your mind between your ears. Okay, this is how Jesus fulfilled the law. You know, remember Thayer's definition? To be obeyed as it should be. Okay, this is what it means to fulfill. Jesus goes on to explain it more in detail, what he meant by fulfill the law. I've come to fulfill, I've not come to destroy. Get that thought out of your mind completely. But I've come to fulfill. Okay, here again, he goes into another phase of explaining what it means. Matthew 5 and verse 27, you've heard it said of them of old time, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already with her in his, in his heart. So we have a glass that's half full. Don't commit adultery. And there were many people. In fact, you probably can save yourself. Hopefully you can save yourself. I've never cheated on my wife. I've never cheated on my husband. I've kept the letter of the law. But Jesus says, you know, that's not enough. We've got to deal with the spirit. We've got to deal with what goes on between the ears. But I say to you that if you undress a woman in your mind, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Now, l- let me ask you a question. Which is more binding, the letter or the spirit of the law? Now, I've had a lot of Christians say, well, well we Christians, we keep the spirit of the law. We don't keep the letter. Of the, you know, we don't, the letter has been fulfilled, abolished, or whatever. We keep the spirit of the law as if that's somehow easier, you know. I mean, the letter of the law is a piece of cake. Don't steal. Don't kill. You know, be faithful. Okay, I've literally done this. I've been faithful to my wife. But the spirit, we all struggle with the spirit of the law. I struggle with anger toward other people. I struggle with with unpure thoughts in my mind towards other women. So, so what I'm saying is the spirit of the law is much more binding than the letter. And what Jesus is doing, he's filling this glass all the way full and saying, this is how you do it. You've got to control what goes on between the ears. Now, I've had a lot of men say to me, well, look, this is insanity. All men do this, think the wrong thoughts. Uh, we've all yielded in that area. And, and okay, I, I agree that we have. But you see, Jesus is not asking us to do what comes natural. What comes natural is to, you know, undress a woman in your mind. That comes natural. What comes natural is to have anger in your heart. That comes natural. It takes no effort. It takes no, you know, whipping up a willpower to do that. It just comes natural. What God is asking us to do, what Jesus is asking us to do is unnatural acts. I don't want you to do what comes natural. I want you to do the unnatural thing. And it's, I want you to do something that is supernatural. And it takes a supernatural power to do this. Did you know that you can be a letter of the law Christian without the spirit of God? I mean, you can. I mean, you, you can basically be a letter of the law Christian 
and never received the Spirit of God. You can go to church six days a week, twice on Sunday. You can sing in a choir. You can lead fellowship groups, men's groups, women's groups. And you can be a letter of the law Christian and not have the Spirit of God. But you see, to do a supernatural thing, to do what the unnatural acts that Jesus calls upon us to do, I want you to control what's going on between your ears. This takes supernatural power, and it takes the Spirit of God to do this. What Jesus is basically saying is all of our sins originate in the mind, and the body follows pursuit. I mean, it's just that simple. You know, you don't just ride. A man doesn't just ride down the road, and all of a sudden he sees this nice-looking woman, and, and they, he pulls off the road, and they hook up. You know, that, that's, that's, that's not how it happens. It's, it's something that's been going on in the mind for years. And one of the saddest things I've ever seen is for elderly couples who have been married for a long time, 30 or 40 years, and then in their old age, maybe the husband goes out and has an affair. It's sad because what it reveals is he was just a letter of the law Christian, you see. He never got, he never had his glass completely full. He, he didn't understand what Jesus meant by fulfill the law. Or he bought into the nonsense that he heard at church every Sunday. The law's been fulfilled, it's been abolished, it's been nailed to the cross, it's been done away with. He bought into that lie, you see. And he was, just a, he was just a letter of the law Christian. He never really truly had the Spirit of God and therefore got the victory over what goes on between the ears, the Spirit of the law. I want you to control how you think. And so you have in, in the example of an old age, you know, an old couple, a man goes out and has an affair. You know, he's, he never got all of his life, he never got control of his mind. And that led to that ultimate jumping off the cliff, you see. And it's a sad thing to see. It's a very sad thing to see. But it happens. What Jesus is saying is this. Our minds will either deliver us or destroy us in the end. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you're just a letter of the law Christian and you've never received the Spirit of God, your mind will destroy you in the end. With all your religious glory and all your church going and all of your you know, doings and working and serving Jesus, in the end, your mind will destroy you unless you have the Spirit of God dwelling inside you. And there is a way to receive the Spirit of God. Do not think you were born with the Spirit of God. You're not, you're not born with the Spirit. You are born incomplete. And the reason you are born incomplete is to make you realize you are incomplete and that you need an added spirit. There is a spirit in man. It's what makes you, you. It's what makes me, me. But you need a second spirit. It's called the spirit of God that unites with your spirit. And when that happens, a new creature in Christ starts to develop on the inside. But it's all about the mind. It's all about what goes on between the ears. So in the end, our minds will either deliver us or destroy us. Now, if you would like a free booklet on how to receive the spirit of god just just let me know write me or email me and i'll be glad to send that to you free of charge okay <clears throat> so jesus says i have not come to destroy but to fulfill to obey as it should be to fill up to fully preach perfect supplies what the word actually means and guess what 
God wants us to obey the law as it should be. And there are so, so many Christians walking around with their half cup of water, thinking that's good enough, thinking that's all God wants, thinking that, well, thinking they can be saved with a half glass of water, and they've never made the connection with what the Bible actually says, and they've never really received the Holy Spirit of God because there is a way to receive that Spirit. There's a process for receiving that Spirit. There are things you have to do to receive that Spirit. And I'm painfully aware that when that moment comes and I baptize a person and I take them down in the waters of baptism and I lay hands on them for the receiving of the Spirit of God and I say something like, Father, this person stands before you clean, forgiven of all their sins, I now ask you to give this person a part of your Holy Spirit. I realize that is totally up to God. God is looking at the heart. God is, you know, deciding whether or not I can supply this person with his spirit because it depends on the heart or not. And just because you go through the motion doesn't mean that you have the spirit of God. That is up to God ultimately in the end. Now, question. Did Jesus obey the law as it should be so that we don't have to? And the question is this, how, I want to deal with how you can obey the law as it should be. Because yes, God, you know, the answer to that question is no, 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 no. God expects us to obey his law as it should be. And that means in the spirit. So how do you accomplish that? How do you do this? Well, in John 14 and verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man will love me, we will, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we Notice that we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, this is amazing scripture. It's talking about Christ, the son and the father says we will move in and we will live in his tabernacle, his temple. Now, you're talking about here. We're talking about the real power of what, first of all, why you need the Holy Spirit, because what the Holy Spirit, what this is about is power power from God. You got two beings, Father and the Son, and they're living on the inside of you, your temple. Do you think that would make a difference in your life, how you live your life? Oh, absolutely. And the power that created the universe, the, pr- the power that created the earth that is traveling around the sun at a speed of 64,000 miles per hour. Okay, that power is living on the inside. Of you. We will come and make our abode. With, we're going to live on the inside of him. So you're, you're, you're sitting at home and you're on the computer and you're thinking about looking at internet pornography and you realize I, I can't do this. I mean, I've got, I've got the father and the son living on the inside of me. You can't go there because you've got a power source living on the inside. And without that power source, what you never want is, is, is for them to abandon ship the power source, the father and the son living on the inside. Okay, we're talking about what it really means to have the power of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Well, it, the Holy Spirit is, is the power of these two beings living on the inside of you. That's what it is. And this power living on your inside of you does not cause you to do stupid things like speaking a gibberish that no one can understand. It doesn't make you look like a buffoon. It doesn't cause you to jump church pews. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it's not about that. 
It's about living the life God expects you to live. It's about having the character of God on the inside. It's about controlling what goes on between the ears. And this is only possible if you have this power source living on the inside of you. Now, you don't want that power source to abandon ship because if they abandon ship, your rear end is going to sink. Okay, that's what's going to happen. So you want to be in tune with the power source living on the inside of you. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? What is the Spirit of God? It's, it's the Father and the Son living on you. It's the power of those two beings living on the inside. How can I say the Spirit is the power of God? Well, on the day of Pentecost, you know, the words were, you shall receive power. Once the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's the power of these two beings living on the inside of you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. It's holy because of the power source of these two beings living on the inside of you, the Father and the Son. We will come and make our abode inside. So how do you get the Father and the Son living on the inside? How do you get the supernatural power to do unnatural things? Well, again, I want to encourage you to order a couple free material, Should You Be Baptized and How to Receive the Spirit of God. That's two booklets free of charge I can send you, Should You Be Baptized and How to Receive the Spirit of God. Okay, think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy but to fulfill, to obey as it should be. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. What does this mean? You know, not one crossing of the T or dotting in the I shall pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Well, okay, heaven and earth shall not pass, shall pass away. Now, has heaven and earth passed away? You know, go outside, look up. Has the heavens passed away? What does that tell you? It tells you the law is still in, a, in effect. Look down. Has the earth passed? What are you standing on? Are you standing on the ground? Good old planet earth. Okay. That tells you nothing has passed away from the law. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Another translation says it like this. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass away from the law till all things be accomplished. What do you think God wants to accomplish when it comes to his law? Do you think God's greatest agenda when he gave the Ten Commandments was to abolish the law? I mean, I want you to imagine this scene where the Father and the Son are talking. And... You know, the father says to the son, I want you to go down there and I want you to die for their law breaking. And once you die for their law breaking, I'm going to abolish the law that defines what sin is. And the the son would look to the father and say, well, father, why don't we just abolish the law to begin with? And that way I won't have to go down there and die for their sins. You know, can you imagine that conversation? I can. And it doesn't make any sense. What doesn't make any sense is people's theology that says the law has been abolished, has been nailed to the cross, has been done away with. What do you think God wants to accomplish when it comes to his law? Well, Hebrews 10 and verse 16 will answer the question. 
This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. You know, the law originally was written on tables of stone. Now it's going to be written on the heart and mind of man. The new covenant is all about where the law of God is going to be written, you see. In Revelation 22 and verse 12, And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Works? What works? All I ever heard all my life, not a works, lest any man should boast. Well, Jesus said, I'm going to give it to every man according to his work shall be. And Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Yes, God is creating a good works of obedience through us if you are a true Christian. Now, that's a big if. Okay, that's a big if. There are many counterfeit Christians in the world whose glass is half full, and they've never understood what it means to keep the spirit of the law. They bought into the lie, the theology that says, oh, no, the law has been done away with. It's been abolished. It's been nailed to the cross. They bought into that lie because they hear it constantly. Revelation 22 and verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed, verse 14, are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. What commandments? What commandments? If they've been abolished, if they've been done away with. This verse says, that they may have a right to the tree of life. Blessed are those that do his commandment. How do you do them? Well, it means your glass has to be completely full. You keep the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of these group of people at the end where, where they say, well, Lord, we've done all these wonderful works. We, we've cast out demons in your name. We've, we've uh, had inspired preaching. We prophesied in your name, which means inspired preaching. You know, we had the Sunday morning worship service, 10,000 people every Sunday morning. And, and Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And that word iniquity means lawlessness. They had a no-law theology. You know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. I don't know how much you're buying into what you're hearing at, you know, at church. But if you're buying into a no-law theology, you're not going to be there, is what I'm saying. You're just not going to be there. You're not going to be where you think you're going to be when you die. Okay. Well, I'm David Freeman just reminding you, reminding you clearly what you think is in the Bible is not. You've been lied to about the Bible. You've been lied to by... Often, your church, your preacher, who is sincere. Yes, they're sincere. Yes, they've been to seminary school or cemetery school because they're preaching a dead theology when it comes to the law. I say cemetery school because they're preaching a dead theology. Until next time, this is David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast. Watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.